Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner and user of Mint Mobile. And I am recording this message on my phone. I'm literally on my Mint phone. Why? Because fancy recording studios cost money. And if we spent money on things like that, we couldn't offer you screaming deals. Like if you sign up now for three months, you get three months free on every one of your plans, even unlimited. Visit mintmobile.com slash switch. Limited time, new customer offer. Activate within 45 days. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Unlimited customers using more than 40 gigabytes per month will experience lower speeds. Video streams at 480p. See mintmobile.com for details. Rewind Show Podcast. It's time to bring you yet another amazing episode. And now, welcome your host, the face for Radio Burgess. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, it's Dates Rewind Show with me, Rob, the face for Radio Burgess. Welcome along to today's episode. How are you doing? You doing okay? I've not been too well, but I'm not going to bog you down with it. I'm feeling better now. Just got the sweats. Just got the sweats. That's what I got. You know the stuff that's going around. I've got it again. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to name it and shame it. Anyway, I've got the sweats, but I'm fine. I'm doing okay. Uh, so, an interesting email um, the other day from uh, Rob uh, from Living in the 80s, which is a podcast where him and his friends get together in America and they talk about 80s events and 80s things that happen. And they invited me onto the show. Uh, so, I went on and I spoke about my childhood in the 80s and growing up in the 80s and music from the 80s. Um, and it was great. It was great to be able to talk to America from your living room. You know, you, I've said in the podcast, you know, when did you think you'd be able to chat to someone in their living room? Uh, in your living room, you know, in the 80s without doing a long-distance satellite call and, you know, it's like we're standing next to each other. It's fantastic. Um, Rob's podcast is fantastic. So if you get a chance, um, check it out and I'll put some links in the description um, and I'll be on there soon. Apparently he's going to release it. But I thought I'd release it from this end as well so you get to hear it and I'm going to have Rob on the show really soon. So I keep talking about my email address, which is the80srewindshow at gmail.com. And for those that missed it, the80srewindshow at gmail.com. Well, I got my first email in. Um, I've been plugging it and plugging it and no one's emailed me and somebody has. Janine, thank you, Janine. So Janine has emailed in and said, Robbie, what is your favourite song from the 80s? If you had to pick one, what would it be? Now, I, I didn't have to think about this long. It's Zoom by Fat Larry's Band. I don't know what it is about that song. It's just amazing to me. And it's a song that has no edges. A bit like Unchained Melody. It's hard to describe. It's just perfect in every way. The melody's perfect. The sound is perfect. And it sounds kind of smoky when you listen to it. And it, can, it sounds kind of warm like a blanket. And that's why I absolutely love that song. So, Janine, thank you for emailing in. Uh, don't forget, like Janine, if you want to email, it's... The80srewindshow at gmail.com So feel free and ask some questions if you want to. Just like Janine. Love you, Janine. You're the best. Uh, anyway, so we're going to get on to uh, Living in the 80s, uh, where I guested in the week with Rob. Okay, so let's get to it. Live from Members Only Studios, welcome to Living in the 80s, the podcast we talk about anything and everything having to do with the 1980s, the best that we can remember it. So as you can tell, this is our British episode. And as you can also tell, my accent is crap. So I am going to leave that to the experts. Uh, Today, I've got a very special guest, uh, Robbie Burgess host of the 80s uh, show podcast. We've got to know each other on Facebook and thought it would be a great to do a joint collaboration thing here. So I'm looking forward to it. We've been chatting here for the last few minutes or so, kind of getting to know one another. He's a cool dude. You guys are going to like him. So uh, Robbie, welcome. Hello, mate. You know what? This, it wasn't bad. It was very Dick Van Dyke, but it was pretty good. <laughs> the English accent. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pull off the Mary Poppins thing, right? <laughs> it was very good. And it, it started off well and then it petered down. But it was great. Well done, buddy. <laughs> well, I, think, I think the effort 
kind of fell with it too. You start off strong and you fade away. So it was the story you know, of my life. Dick Van Dyke's got a panic. He's got. <laughs> right. So we're going to do. Uh, we're going to talk about lots of cool stuff about you know Robbie grew, growing up in England. Uh, talk about his podcast. Uh, one of the things that's going to be super exciting is he's had some very notable special guests on his podcast. And we're going to talk about that and how all that magic happens on the other side of the pond there. So, uh, but before we do that, uh, it's customary around here, not just because you're on here, but we have a, um, a, a topic that we like to call 80s Rewind. Mm-hmm. Nice. So this is where something within the last week, whether we've heard a song, saw a TV show, heard, you know, a movie or whatever, what 80s noteworthy thing drew your attention this week? I suppose it's got to be the film Prey, isn't it? The new Predator movie. They're going on about that one. Um, I, I, I saw the thing on Amazon about it. It looks intriguing. So why would an 80s connoisseur like this movie? It's um, it's going back to Predator a lot. I mean, they're going on about it being the best one of all now, which is junk. <laughs> you yeah. know, you need a big Austrian man walking through the jungle to make it amazing. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's, an, it's nice that the Native Americans, you know, have a big central role in it. That's that's really really lovely to have a bit of American culture in it in that sense. Um, but you know, you've got like an armed team in the original one with submachine guns, and then she you know, fights him with a stick and does a lot better. <laughs> you think, you know, how does this work as, you know, and they throw the line, if you, if it can bleed, we can kill it in it. And they kind of was just like, where should we put it in the film? I oh, will stuff it in there. That'll do. And it doesn't actually make any sense when they say it. Um, but I think just pure, you know, pure nostalgia would make you want to watch it, but it's not the best one. I don't care what anybody says. It's pretty good. You know, for me, it would go Predator 1, Predator 2, and then this one, and all the others can just okay. fall away. But as an 80s person, I think you, you watch it hoping there's going to be a bit of nostalgia for the original. And literally that one line is pretty much it. They refer to Predator 2, funny enough, in it. They do return, oh, nice. Yeah, which I won't tell anybody in case they've not seen it. But if you know what it is, then you go, ah, oh, Predator 2. But they don't really acknowledge the first one. So um, I just watched it out of curiosity because they were raving about how good it was. And then I was like, okay, then it's got to be pretty good to top Arnie. And then, you know, you watch it and it's it's not, <laughs> to be honest. It, it was definitely intriguing. Like I watched the trailer for it the other night and I thought, huh. I'm going to have to do it. So it's in my queue of like 30 other things. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll move it up a little bit since it's got your seal of approval. So <laughs> it's, it's usually like if I see something and it looks okay, like I'll save it. But then if I have a conversation with a friend, yeah, a little more likely to go back and watch it. So I, I mean, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I did enjoy it. I, I thought it was okay, but I was also on my phone. It was one of them kind of films. I was doing two. It wasn't like I was just drawn into it and, you know, it was, I, I was sort of, and there was bits of it where you thought, actually, that, that refers to Predator 1, but they didn't go in that direction with it. They kind of just, I mean, I'm not going to give anything away too much, but there was a bit where, where this dog falls in some mud and then the Predator can't see the dog. And you think, oh, are they going to go down that road? And then they don't do it. <laughs> You're going, what? <laughs> What's going on? They found the one thing that they can help them and they just yeah. wash all the mud off themselves. Yeah, you've got like one Native American story. There's only one thing they can do with it. And then they don't use it. You're like, what? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> <That's nuts. laughs> 
So for me, I guess the 80s thing that hit me the hardest this week was the passing of Olivia Newton-John. Of course, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we all knew her. Like, I grew up with her. Like, my parents were listening to country music in the early 70s, which is in 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 the United States. That's where we first heard of her, doing her little mellow stuff that kind of crossed over to pop. And then, of course, when Grease happened, she became, you know, more of a household name mm. and you know i think everybody just sort of adored her but the 80s she certainly left her mark like when physical hit like, yeah sort of like she sort of reinvented herself and carried enough momentum to you know the first half of the decade anyway she was she's pretty much a force in music so uh definitely missed very graceful lady yeah and uh you know yeah. It's strange. I was um I've never seen it, but I um I dug out the soundtrack to Xanadu the other week. because um, 'cause I'm oh. a I'm a vinyl collector, so I've got a load of vinyls and um I just I had a copy of it. So I put it on and um like it's you can tell the difference on both sides. When she comes on, she's amazing in it. But um yeah, so it for me personally in England, I only know her for three things really. It would be Greece, Xanadu and Physical. So did mm-hmm. she have a did she have a massive American career that we don't really acknowledge in England? Um, well, you know, she did because she, she, she was one of the unique people, I'd say like Barbara Streisand ish, where she could act and, you know, perform music as well. Uh, she had, she had a pretty good following. Uh, Americans are very, uh, they, they tend to ride on any trend that comes through. Right. So whenever, like when the Greece thing happened, everybody was all about Greece and then, when physical happened, everyone was all about physical. Uh, when Xanadu happened, people were all about the soundtrack. No one here, the, the movie's crap. It's garbage. The <laughs> I've never seen it. I've very seen dated. It. The story's weak. But that soundtrack, I mean, you know, we're 80s people here. Mm. The ELO songs on there were were really cool. I mean, what I love about Greece is they've got 30-year-olds that are trying to pretend to be 17. Yeah. <laughs> I had a conversation <laughs> with somebody about that the other day. It's like Stalker Channing looks like she's ready to get her you know, retirement benefits, <laughs> and now she is playing this teenager. I just air-quoted for those of you that, that uh, can listen to us. Um, it, it, and like Jeff Conway, who was in Taxi, yeah. like he plays like a thirty-year-old guy. There, we're led to believe he's going to be a teenager. <laughs> so, not sure how all that worked, but it did, and people loved it. I think it's because the soundtrack was so. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is um, it iconic or iconic? Yes, thank yeah. you. I don't know. The simple word sometimes escaped. That was mine today. Uh, it was very iconic soundtrack, so people just gravitated towards that. And uh, you know, as far as Olivia, everyone kind of adored her. Yeah, uh, she, I mean, she wasn't like you know Madonna level superstardom, but she was definitely you know people knew her, and you know she pretty much stayed away from controversy most of her life until the weird thing with her husband and the boat and whatever yeah. happened way back. I guess her husband faked his drowning. I can't remember what it was, but there was something weird like that. But, you know, for the most part, people just, you know, everyone liked, liked Olivia here. So, Have you heard the theory theory in Greece that um, Sandy was dead at the start of the movie? Have you heard this one? Uh, no. So, you know, um, right. And so the movie goes on and I'm, I don't want to talk about Greece. Sorry, but uh, it's seven. No, you're it, fine. But, you're good. Um, so, you know, the bit in the ocean waves where she's running around with Danny. So yeah. the argument was online is that um, Sandy actually died. She drowned. So that's why at the end of the movie, the car flies off because it was all the last moments of her life. 
You know what? I have heard that now that you say, yeah, that. like playing yeah. out the rest. Yeah, that that was one of the one of the fan theories. I'm like, huh? It so, this makes sense. It's so deep, though, isn't it? I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, so if that's the theory, then you know we see Danny as just you know the boy next door that happens to have the greaser haircut, but in the end, he's kind of sort of morph back into that person again. Yeah. So maybe that was him the whole time and this whole bad boy image was part of the dream. Yeah. 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 We Mind could do, blown. We could do a podcast on that one next. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. No, my fans, my, my fans, the eyes, if I have fans, the, uh, the audience would probably burn me at the stake if I started talking seventies <laughs> too much. Sorry. Get a little squirrely. Sorry. That's my fault. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we tend to, again, Robbie, we may go off onto some rabbit trails here. No, That's just kind of what we do. No so. problem. Cool. So as long as uh, as long as you're okay with it, our conversation may talk about the price of chicken eventually. That's fine. My mind is like Snapchat. It's there for a second and it disappears. So it's fine. Me too. <laughs> I think we're kindred spirits. I <laughs> really do. <laughs> we're both called Rob, so it must be the name. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. So, all right. We're going to take a, a quick break, uh, acknowledge our sponsors, and then we will be right back and we're going to make – uh, Robbie, get back in the DeLorean, go back in time, and talk about growing up in England and awesome and and in his life. So uh, hang tight, we will be right back. Hi, I'm Nick Haywood, and this is the Eighties Rewind Show. Welcome back to Living in the Eighties. I have got Robbie Burgess here, and we are about to embark on a journey through Robbie's Snapchat memory. <laughs> so hopefully, like if you're like me, things forty years ago are very vivid in HD. Things that happened five minutes ago, it's grainy black and white, fading out. I don't know. It's crazy. That's true, yeah. It's exactly what I'm like. I'm terrible. So um, we did a podcast with Marty McFly, um, Marty Wiseman. We call him Marty McFly. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny. Uh, we did an Australian episode. So in Australia, like, they're, I think they're 12 hours difference. So we did it on, we did the podcast here. It was like, Tuesday that I recorded it, but it was Wednesday his time. Crazy. So he's talking to us from the future. <laughs> That's true. You are kind of doing today. You're five hours in the future. So um, you've already been to where we're going. <laughs> pretty, pretty sweet. I mean, technically, when, so, you, when you go to sleep every night, you time travel because you wake up in a different time and place, don't you? So it's kind of... <laughs> boom, I guess you do. Yeah. No recollection of what happened in the middle. There you go. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So, Robbie, first of all, um, what I'm interested in, just because, and we talked before we mm-hmm. uh, started recording here, um, England's one of those places that's always fascinated me. Like, from a kid, you know, uh, again... I didn't hear the Beatles until after they had already broken up. You right. know, they broke up when I was four years old. So, you know, with my parents listening to, you know, 70s, 60s country music at that time, like I would have had no exposure. I didn't have any exposure to some of the really cool music until I was, you know, a teenager. But yeah, um, talk to me, uh, talk to us, I'm sorry, about what, you know, how does school work? Like what, it, like what year did you start in you know, we call it elementary school like the very beginning years of school and then you know becomes middle school and then high school was our last thing before you know we can go off to college or right. university or whatever but um talk to me about how that works over there so i i was 4 in 1980 
because I was born in 76. So um, I remember bits of, like like yourselves, we have the three grades of school. So we have primary, senior and junior. I did that in reverse, sorry. That's <laughs> junior, primary, senior. Um, I, I remember bits of it. I remember, um, like, music's always been a thing in my life. Always music's a thing. And I remember I had to play an xylophone for um, school. And I was playing it when I was probably, what would I have been then, six or seven. And we had to do a concert and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I remember the woman that was teaching us, she was about 90 at the time. And uh, we had to sort of just play this song. And then I, for some reason, all I had to do was carry on playing when everyone else stopped. And I could not get that through my head. <laughs> I remember she was so cross about it. And I was just like, but everybody else has stopped. Why would I not stop? <laughs> so I suppose I was about six or seven then. And she's going, no, you have to carry on. I was like, but you're playing the piano and I'm playing the xylophone. You won't even hear it, you know, because I was playing the low end of the xylophone. So even back then, I, like, I love, I've always loved sound and frequencies. And, you know, I'm always Googling, you know, weird, like, internet radio shows that have gone strange and things like that. So I've always been fascinated by sound. So even back then I knew when I was a kid, like you're not going to hear it because it's, it's too low in the frequencies. <laughs> like, you know, and uh, I remember that. And then like, I kind of got like, I've got a jumpy memory. So I remember bits. And then I remember the first time I started senior school when I was um, 12. I remember that um, because my, my dad was a, a musician. He was a country and Western musician. Um, and he played in a country band his entire life. He never went to America, funny enough. He never went to the States. But, wow. but um, so he's, so he was a drummer and his lead guitar and singer um, son, he went to the school I was going to. And I remember he met me the first day at the gates. Um, and, uh, you know, kids are kids. And he sort of said to his mates, this one's with me. <laughs> you know, don't bully him, don't pick on him as I knock you out, you know. They kind of like... Not what you know, it's who you know, right? Exactly that, yeah. And he's kind of like, he's with me. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I remember we went in and uh, it was it was cool. So I've only got like bits of memories of school. Um, I, I'm, school was all right. You know, I, I kind of enjoyed school. What's interesting, getting older, is I've always had trouble with spelling and I've always had trouble with numbers. It's like soup to me. Like, you know, when if you said to me what's... 11 times 15. I cannot work that out. I cannot see it in my head or anything like that. Um, and years later, I went to university when I was 27 and I got a degree when I was 30. Um, and following that, it was only recently someone said to me, well, you're probably dyslexic, Robbie. So in school, I, I sort of was happier in the library reading all day. You know, if they said to me, go and sit in the library, read books for eight hours, I'd have gone fine. It's fine with me. And I probably would learn more. Because um, my reading, my reading average was always fine. You know, it was great. My reading average is great. It's just when they said, you know, like you have spelling bees, don't you? And they go, yeah. You know, you know, you could say spell tomorrow. I can spell tomorrow, but I'd, I'd, I wouldn't know how to do it. You know what I mean? It's that sort of thing. And it's, you know, I don't think schools are right for some people. I really don't. I think there should be special places where if people just want to read books in libraries, they can, because <laughs> that's where I would have gone. You know, it's a perfect utopia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, but like they say, you know, a monkey can't breathe underwater and a fish can't climb a tree. So it's whatever your surroundings are should suit what someone's doing. Uh, but yeah, my school years were pretty good. I made a lot of friends. I had a great time, and uh, I can still remember. It would have been nineteen ninety four September. I remember the last minute of my, my schooling, and I remember looking at the clock, and it was going round. And I remember once it gets to four o'clock, I've never got to do this again. It was one of those really crazy <laughs> things. And I was in, his name was Mister Kemp. He was our maths teacher, and I was sitting there thinking, I don't even know why I'm doing maths at the minute because it doesn't matter in about a minute and a half. <laughs> you That's know, right. he set these tasks out. We're all doing. And we think, what, what kind of teacher is going to make you keep working the last minute of your school career? You would think you know what 
He's been doing this for 12 years or no. whatever. Let's just let him coast the last hour. It just reminds me of Pink Floyd, The Wall. You know, like, you can't have your knee. All that sort of stuff. You've got to work to the last minute or you're nobody. <laughs> it's that kind of thing, you know. How but, can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. what it's like. You know, keep them busy till four o'clock. They should have just sent us home, you know, should have sent us home. Yeah. But, but hey, if um, I was your teacher, I would have. <laughs> you earned it. You're out. Peace. <laughs> yeah, but no. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. If you, yeah, all I remember about the the summers were like the eighties. Was it was always sunny. It seemed to always be sunny. I, I don't know if that's being a child or whatever or having that. Because we're walking on sunshine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. I don't know if it's that sort of you know rose tinted world, but it was always seems to be sunny, and it always seemed to be a lot of fun. You know. But then again, you know, we well, I weren't paying bills. I didn't own a house. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff that gets you in the ass later on, you know, <laughs> sort of stuff. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm looking at these because uh, you know we're 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 via Zoom here, mm-hmm. the magic of technology, and I see these guitars on the wall behind you. Yeah. What, what's up with those? Um, well, I used to be a drummer like my dad for a while, and then um, I, I, I stopped playing drums, and I just decided I wanted to play something else, um, something to tinkle on. So I've got um, I'm left-handed, so they're left-handed guitars. Um, and then there's a piano behind me as well. Um, okay. For the people that can't see it though, but on the top right there, there's a, a special guitar, um, which is like a Hofner, which was bought in 1967 by my dad. Um, and he had it for 40 years um, and he had it on top of a wardrobe. So this was a lovely guitar. Um, Paul McCartney had a Hofner, so I think that's why he bought it. And then one day he moved his cupboard and he dropped it and snapped the neck. Um, oh, wow. So it, it's completely unplayable. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lovely decoration is what it is you know Good. if um, yeah. if people any, sorry go on. i was gonna say any musical instrument to me would be a decoration because i can't like, oh, okay. i love music and i've got a a photographic memory like as far as you know when a song came out what label it was on all that yeah. kind of stuff but to play it or sing it mm. i got nothing if, if people want to find out what it looks like because we're just trying to describe it if you imagine um people if people google um Stu sutcliffe in hamburg with the beatles with the bass he held it's very similar to that it looks very oh, yeah. similar yeah which looks upside down for us because it's on the opposite side that's it yeah, yeah. it's a very similar nice. shape to that and very sort of it's got the air holes on it that look like an F and stuff like that so but yeah I've got the piano as well but I do a lot of um, as well as doing the podcasting I do some work with some amateur ra- uh, radio drama groups um, okay. so they basically come around the house and then we record the audio dramas and then I do all the sound effects and stuff. So I tend to use the guitars, uh, like I've got an electric and acoustic there really for sound effects a lot of the time. So if I need a creepy sound, I'll get the electric guitar, plug it in, drag a coin down one of the strings for argument's sake, and then put lots of echo and reverb and then lower it by like four t- tones to give it a sort of, sort of drone kind of sound so sometimes if you can't find a sound it's better trying to make it yourself so that's really what they're all about it's just um you know practical uses for me to make audio drama sound effects <laughs> oh, neat neat yeah it's kind of cool it's kind of cool so let's talk now about like what you did for fun when you were like in the 80s because i know you said everything was sunny and sunshine and stuff but like for here like you know we might go cruising in our cars up and down you know different roads in smaller towns or you know we'll go to the movies or go bowling or mm-hmm. skating or something what did you guys do you and your friend group what did you guys do for fun uh to like on your friday saturday nights that kind of thing I could do it in one word if you want. Um, break dancing. <laughs> That's what it was. No way. Robbie, you were, <laughs> see, look, this, we're learning more and more. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the dance break craze coming out. And then I remember yeah. you would literally go along um, skips 
out, fr- out the front of houses to try and find kitchen lino because that was the best thing that you could. I had a shell suit like everybody. And it was bright yellow like a banana. And I remember you would <laughs> try to find the, the lino that didn't have like glass, broken glass in it so you could do backspins and things like that on it. <laughs> nice. They, they would use uh, my brother. I wasn't much of a, I was not a break dancer at all, but my brother and his friends thought they were. Yeah. And and like the, the kids like in New York and stuff would, would get like big pieces of cardboard come from like a refrigerator box or nice. something and they would paint that looking fancy and that's what they would do. And do you have any pictures? You've got to post some pictures on our page or something of you in your banana uniform. That would be epic. I think I've got one. I've got one picture of me wearing it. And I've like, I've got hair now because I'm bald. But I've, I've got hair in it as well. I, I bet if I said, like, you know, which one? Oh, you know now. But I said, I bet if I said which one's me in the lineup, I didn't tell you about the shell shit. You wouldn't know which one. I look completely different. Dude, here, here's what you have to do. Because, <laughs> like, we're recording this. It's Sunday afternoon here, Sunday evening there in the UK. Like you have to send me that picture before mm-hmm. next week, okay? Because I, I will put that as the um, as the um, <laughs> you know, the ad picture. You know, hey, click here to hear this week's podcast. I will I will use that picture. <laughs> cool, yeah. You might have to crop me some of my mates out, but yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, oh, we don't need them anyway. <laughs> You're the real rock star. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, um, yeah, it was it was mainly that. Then there was a lot of um, building ramps and jumping them with bikes, that kind of thing. So, because I, I, by the time we had cars, it was like the 90s for me. So, but the tail end of it, there was a lot of, um, you know, like riding bikes and break dancing and things like that. And then uh, we went through a phase, me and my friends, of miming as a band. As I remember this as well. So, did you, um, do, you have, do you have Weetabix out there in America, the cereal? The breakfast cereal, Weetabix. Uh, no, never heard of it. So it's, it was, it's massive, isn't it? we still got it. It's massive. It's basically like, do you have shreddies in America? We have shredded wheat. Okay. So um, it's the same thing. Frosted shredded wheat, too. Yeah. Frost, frosted mini weeks. I think probably sounds like about the same. Little chunks of wheat. Right. Probably about, uh, I don't know, three and in, two inches tall. So if you imagine one of those, but about, I don't know, four inches long and two inches wide, that's what Weetabix was and about an inch thick. So it's basically a massive shredded wheat. And then they had these uh, characters that came out that were called Dunk and Milk. and all the, Anyway, so every now and again, they do these special offers and that come with the Weetabix. And there was a cassette tape. And I remember it was yellow. It was always yellow, bright yellow. And it had like seven tracks on it. Oh, I think it was seven or eight tracks. And me and my friends decided to mime to those tracks all day every day and we even drew out a keyboard for my friend to play <laughs> no kidding yeah on bits of card so, yeah do you have any video evidence of this oh no fortunately this is way before video and uh, like oh, home videos man. and stuff like that but you know there was always a fight for the lead singer there was always a fight for that female or non-female there's always a row about who was the female <laughs> you know one of us was always you know i was always happy being the bass player i don't know why i was always happy standing at the back minding my own business but i remember the track on the tracks on it were down down under by men at work that was one of them yes. shalomar night to remember and gino by dexy's midnight runners they were the three i really remember that are on it um, I think they're the ones we just played the most, probably. We just kept skipping them back and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was breakdancing, jumping things on our bikes or pretending to be a band. And that's basically, that was our entertainment. <laughs> we were, that you sounds know, like fun. I came from a from a town that was really poor, you know. Yeah, we had we had mm-hmm. nothing. So if you could make a stick into a machine gun, that's what you did. You know, it's that kind of that kind of thing. Nice. So, you know. So did- so did you guys, I know like uh, once school is done here prior to graduation, like there we would have proms, you know, pretty in pink. That was a 
you know. Arcade. Yeah. Did you guys have any kind of dances or anything like that at school or was that ever any? Uh, no, we any? didn't. I mean, funny enough, my girlfriend, she's 33, she's younger than me, and she had a prom. They have them now. But um, when we didn't, all we had was Roman Day, <laughs> which was um, we celebrated the Romans invading England once. I remember there was a party for that, and you had to dress up in a bed sheet as a toga and walk around and pretend to hit your mates with cardboard swords. So I remember that one, and I remember we had the um, the royal wedding with Charles and Diana. That was one. Oh, yes. yes. Um, and they were the only two real big things that I remember being as an event in England. Oh, when Fergie got married, what was her name? Fergie and she married somebody. Was that Prince Andrew? That was another one, wasn't it? Yeah. So there was a few royal weddings, but in England they don't really do proms. You kind of just... Um, it's a bit of a confusing time as far, from when I did it. I don't know if it's different now, but you kind of, like I said, I remember the last minute and then it, and it, it bounced up to the four o'clock and they were like, that's it, you're done. You don't have to come to school ever again. And you kind of go, yeah, with your mates. And we all signed each other's shirts, you know. Um, okay. And then um, and then you, you have a chat and then you sort of go home and then you kind of go, now what? Now what do I do? I don't know what's next. They don't sort of say, you know, when you, you do a test... Um, in school, I don't know if they're in America where they go, you know, when you leave, you'll probably be good at this kind of thing. Right. And uh, mine said, um, I'll probably be good doing creative work or something in the arts. It was something like that. And I was like, in the town where we lived, it was like, there's nowhere to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's one of those really crazy things. Like uh, when I lived where I lived, I lived 14 miles from central London, like literally 14 miles away. Um, and I never went there. I never went to London. And then I oh. live, now I live um, in um, Kent, near Canterbury. I'm 50 miles away. I'm always in London. So I had the perfect <laughs> opportunity growing up to go to London to find the BBC. You know, like you, you listen to autobiographies or you see programs and they go, I wrote a letter to the BBC and they gave me a job and I started as a runner and I worked my way up and now I'm a TV presenter and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, or, or you go to Hollywood, you wait tables, you know, you work for your acting chain. Da, da, da. And yeah. in, when it, we were around, they didn't give you any advice. Like they didn't say, look, you know, you'd be really good at this. So why don't you write to this company and see, you know, what they offer you? Even if you work for free for a couple of months, you know, you might find that's what you want to do. There's none of that. They kind of just go, that's that. See ya. And then you kind of get a letter saying, hey, you know, you're going to be really good at this thing. So good luck with that. See ya. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it's like. And then, you know, you, you're, my mum said, you know, do you want to go to college? And I was like, what's that then? So it's like more school. I was like, do you want me to go, mum? She's like, well, if you if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> I was like, OK. So then I went to college and it was only really in college. I got what you're doing the grades for, if that makes any sense. Because in school, mm-hmm. it was kind of like me and my mates were just separated for about, you know, two hours at a time doing PE in our, in our pants if you forgot your shorts and stuff like that. And then mm-hmm. we'd hang out in the break break time and then you go for, oh, I've got to go and do this maths thing now. And then you would just hang out with your mates later on. So it seemed to me it was just breaking your day up between hanging out with your mates rather than you're supposed to be learning stuff for the future. There was no sort of like, you know, no chain to it. But yeah, I mean, once I got to college, I really understood what things were about and why you were learning things. But yet again, it was the same thing. When you left college, it was kind of like, Okay, well, that's that done then. There was no sort of like, you know, you might want to do this. I did drama in college and I really enjoyed that. That, that was really, really good. I had a te- teacher that was obsessed with Shakespeare. I can't stand Shakespeare. I'm gonna, yeah. people, people are going to go mad. I think he's amazingly overrated. And I think he's just dull yeah, and boring. It just, it's boring to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay. We've got this thing here locally. Uh, a friend of mine wanted me to go to with him the other night. It's like Shakespeare in the park. Right. There's a, there's a park in uh, a local park here and they'll have this you know, local community theater and they'll do this thing. And I'm just like, that has zero appeal to me. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Like 
I just found it was it's pretentious rubbish. It's all sort of like you know, like oh, I love the Globe in London. All this sort of nonsense. You're like, yeah, it's all right. It's just, <laughs> it's, just an old, it's just an old theater. You know, it's just yeah. So yeah. School, yeah, we didn't have proms. Going back to what you talked about, sorry, I went off on a tangent again. Um, yeah, we did. We didn't have proms at all or anything like that. But like I say, my my girlfriend, she's she's thirty three, she's younger than me, and they had a prom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where I don't understand what a prom is. Is it to basically lose your virginity? Is that what it's for? <laughs> According to the movies, it is. Yeah. So so basically, the prom is something you look forward to. Again, I think Hollywood over romanticizes it a bit, but. Uh, basically, well, we have different school dances throughout the year where people will sometimes dress up, depending on the dance. Sometimes they'll dress up, sometimes they won't. But the senior prom, the end of your last year of high school, usually about a month before graduation, it's a formal event. You know, we'll rent tuxedos. The girls will have, like, nice evening gowns or whatever, Mm -hmm. which has evolved to, hey, let's – get a limo like you go out to a nice dinner and then you go to the school or to some other facility right and you know and there's dancing it's not you know it's it's sort of like if you so you've seen pretty in pink right yeah so it's sort of like that but not quite as elaborate that's like hollywood version of prom so right. it's uh it's 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 more like footloose okay that's kind of more what our proms are like so there's a little slow dancing fast dancing Fights in the parking lot, throwing dirt at people. No, actually, that's <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's it's sort of like that here. But, it's funny. My yeah. my uh, my best friend, he's from New York. Um, uh-huh. He's from New Jersey, and sometimes I'll text it. I watch a film, and I'll be like, "What does this mean?" Like, like Tribeca. I didn't know what that was. I was like, "What's a Tribeca?" And he has to explain it to me. Like, what does this mean? Like when I re- when I watch a film from the eighties or the seventies, where they view some colloquialism from back then that doesn't probably mean anything now. So, so the the last part about the growing up, the school experience and stuff. Like that, um, class reunions. Like, do you like get together with you know old friends like every few years and like kind they, of reminisce or anything? They have they've had them, but I've not gone. Um, okay. Only because I just think some things are better off better where they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's oh, I'm gonna sound like a snob now, but I think unless you can brag about what you've done, there's no point. <laughs> well, you know what? So, it's funny because I've got friends that that hold that same viewpoint. I really? can see it. You know what? That was me back when. That's not even me now or whatever. On the other hand, there's the whole like, hey, these are people that, you know, I haven't seen. I don't see all the time. It's kind of good to catch up to where they are because at one time they were part of my life. Yeah. But but I've got my one friend, uh, Kevin. He, he will not Kevin that hosts a podcast with me, a different Kevin. Mm. He'll be like, I really don't care. <laughs> I agree with Kevin. I agree with Kevin. The thing is, it's if you go and see people, you've got about five minutes of talking and then after that you're done. You know, once yeah. a, you know, so what do you do for the rest of the evening? So I thought it's it's better. It was really sweet. Um they did a, a there was this thing on Facebook years ago and it was like an online survey of the class or something like that. And people mm-hmm. voted whatever they want. And I got voted the most funniest. I remember that was very sweet of everybody. But it's like, oh. but I thought, I'm still not going. <laughs> it hasn't changed anything. But, you, you Here's know. my last joke. I'm not going. <laughs> you see, yeah. But it's one of those things where you kind of just think, I don't know what benefit I would get from seeing people older, you know. And then, you know, sometimes it's better to people for people to remember how you were rather than how you are now. Yeah, I, I think. They died. Sorry? I remember how they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, I'm a, I'm probably more rounded out now 
now I'm 46 uh-huh. than I was when I was 16 years old. So, yeah. you know, it's one of the things where I understand who I am, what I'm doing, what I like and what I don't like. I've got no patience anymore. I've discovered that as I've got older. I don't care for things. If I don't want to do it, I, I don't, it's dead to me. I'm not interested. Whereas when I was 16, I do things to keep people happy. And um, I just don't know what a reunion would do. I mean, so, fortunately for me, some of my friends that I went to school with are still my friends. So yeah. you know, they're, they're around. But if it was like, you know, do you want to go and see like, you know, your first girlfriend from high school, you'd be like, well, I don't know if I want to do that because I've got a memory of what she was like. And if I met her now, I might not like her. <laughs> you kind of That's think. Right. Or, or you might like her too much. And you're <laughs> really upset with you. It'd be a whole other can of worms. Oh, I don't know. My girlfriend's but, lovely. So. <laughs> you, you kind of sound like Kevin. Cause he'll say, say, well, all the people that I've wanted to stay in touch with, I have. Oh, no, I agree. I've, I, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the people that I don't look backwards. So, you know, me and you as, and our friends, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, it's, it's, I'd rather move forward and make new friends than meet the old ones that were just there, you know, 30 odd years ago that don't mean anything anymore. I'd rather make new friends and expand the world. You know, like yeah. going back to the eighties, if this was 1985 now, would me and you be sitting in our rooms talking to each other via computer and looking at each other in the face? Of course not. It would yeah. be a mega expensive phone call. You know what I mean? Sure would. So that's why I'm <laughs> more, would. yeah, that's why I'm more interested in talking to new people and meeting new people and making new friends than, you know, the ones that fell away in the way. If someone wants to be your friend, they'll be there. If they're not, they disappear. And that's why I think, what's the point in a reunion, you know? I like it. That's, so. you know, that, that is, uh, that's very, um, not, I don't want to say insightful, but prophetic. No, not even that. It's very, it's good. It's good. They should we'll, carve we'll it on a toilet seat. <laughs> there we go. We'll do that. So, all right. So um, thinking back to, you know, getting back to, you know, who you were in the 80s and so forth. Yeah. Like what are there any like 80s era movies that still resonate with you today that you're a fan of? Yeah. I mean, this is Spinal Tap. It's probably the greatest film ever made to me it's pretty great it's it's brilliant it's one of those things where i found it really funny as a kid and then i grew up and became a musician and found it even funnier so it does work on two levels but i remember in england like you had videotapes and things were you know copied and burned and things like that and my mum's friend we used to go around and see her all the time and she had um three films she had the jerk she had um, blazing saddles she had and the man with two brains she had those three films so whenever we were in there, I'd watch those three. Uh, and then Spinal Tap, I watched on my own. And then Naked Gun came along, an aeroplane came along in my life. And then, you know, I never looked back. I just think Naked Gun, Leslie Nielsen was probably the greatest comedic actor of his time and no one's really recognised him for it. I just think yeah. he's absolutely incredible in those. And then I like Fright Night, the horror movie. I think Fright Night's a brilliant yeah. film. And uh, Batman 89 is the best one ever made as well. Um, so a lot of stuff came along and I, I was just enthralled in it. I know Blazing Saddles is a 70s movie, but um, it's just one of those things where, you know, like I was watching The Jerk when I was, you know, like seven years old. And that American, it's really weird. Like I had an American comedy sensibility rather than an English one because it was all American comedy films. It wasn't English ones because there wasn't any. You know, it was, which, which really surprises me just like I, hearing you talk because you're, you're listing all these American films that we all know and love. Mm. Like The Jerk is like the least British humor type movie <laughs> that you could probably come up with. It's just absurd, stupid stuff. It's brilliant. Like Steve Martin is a still a genius. <laughs> and uh, just, that, that's just funny. So there, there weren't a lot of British comedy. Like uh, when I think of British comedy, the first thing that comes to mind is Monty Python. That's it. That's it. So yeah. we had 
really, we had the two Python films, which were in the 70s. And then you had a film called Clockwise with John Cleese in 1985. And then you've pretty much got nothing. You know, you've got oh. nothing. So it's, there was, there was no British film. Oh yeah. Time Bandits and stuff like that. And Brazil. But that was more surrealism rather than, um, than comedy. But again, with Steve Martin, he was a huge Python fan. So it's that synergy between the two again. But my favourite oh. line, someone says to me, what's your favourite film line of all time? And I said, it has to be in Man With Two Brains when they knock on the door and say, can I borrow your battery ram? And they say, we return it. I think <laughs> that's just the most absurd <laughs> stuff. That's like the best comedy line because it makes absolutely no sense at all. In, in that, it, like, it's perfect in that film and there's no reason for it to be there. That's why I think it's just genius. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Naked Gun, all that really visual comedy is brilliant as well. And that's where America really took off when you had your aeroplanes and your naked guns because Python didn't go down that road and nobody in England really did. You know, they really, really, America took that and run with it and you did an amazing job with it. And then later on, you've got the hot shots and stuff like that. It wasn't as good, yeah. to be fair, but you had your yeah. naked guns, your airplanes, top secret, which is just probably the best of They're all of those. They were trying to milk that formula all they could to the point yeah. they saturated it yeah. after a while. I mean, top yeah. secret, I think, is the best one. If you said to me at the Zucker Brothers, what's the best? Top secret would be the, with, um, what's his name? Val Kilmer. That one, yes. and that's got an English-American crossover, funny enough. But yeah, it was mainly American films that I watched a lot as a kid. Because like I say, there wasn't any. There wasn't any um, English films, really. I mean, I'm really thinking, but I can't think of any English films. that I would, I would say Pink Panther, but they were in the 70s again. So they're not... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Peter Sellers being amazing as well. But yeah, there wasn't really any. There, really wasn't, there was no real... I mean, George Harrison formed um, Handmade Films and then because he, he wanted to make Python. Then, he, then like I say, he brought out Time Bandits... Um, and he bought, uh, I think it was Goodbye, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. I think that was what it is. So there was a lot of dramas, but there wasn't any comedy. They, they were kind of frightened of it. I suppose if it failed, they were going to lose a lot of money. So they didn't really, they didn't, but yeah, it's all American films for me always. And I, you know, those films I've listed, I'll, you know, they're just amazing. They're amazing. Spinal Tap is, you can put that on now and I will laugh like the first time I've seen it. It's just brilliant. And I've seen them live twice as well. I got to see them in concert. So oh, oh wow. Yeah. I heard they're, they're doing a follow-up movie. Oh, I can't wait. But you I, know. I, I heard that recently. It's just the, the Spinal Tap, if we could talk about that for one second, it's just the history that they created for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, even when they did the, um, so I saw them live at the Royal Albert in 1992, and then they brought out the um, documentary uh, again in the 90s that was following up from that. And they said they were from a place called Squatney. <laughs> now, that really <laughs> does sound like an English town, I've got to be honest. And they went to a pub called the Queen's Lips. Now, all this stuff is really believable if you're English. <laughs> Yeah, because they they get it so right. I and, wondered because because you know being an American film, yeah, like I was kind of wonder like well, what do the Brits think of this? Yeah, you know, you know, if you've seen that film and you're an English person and you get it, you have to get it. It's brilliant. It's just. The work of pure genius. The background is pure genius. The acting's brilliant. The, the, I mean, their accents are amazing. You wouldn't like even yeah. I couldn't tell they weren't the only one that does it as well as them. Is, is it Gary Cruels who's in the um, Princess's Bride? You know, the, yes. the blonde guy. Yeah. He's those, uh, those actors like Harry Shearer, Mark McKean and that, and um, those guys and him are the only ones that can do the British accent so well. You can't tell they're not English. They really, really, really get it. So is Kerry Yule's not British? No, he's born in California. I think. He's no Cal- kidding. Yeah. I'm sure he's Californian or something like that. Yeah. You might have to have a Google, but. Cause yeah. like, I don't, do you, do you guys, uh, have you ever seen the show Psych? Uh, I've heard of it. I've not seen it though. Yeah. So if you get a chance, you got to watch it. It's these two guys, they have this detective agency in California, and one of them portrays a psychic, but he really has photographic memory. 
and uh, he's got all these people convinced he's a psychic. And Carrie Ewells was one of one of the um, one of the criminals on there who had a recurring role because you know they just loved him. Yeah, and he you know, he probably did a half dozen or more episodes, but he always had that British accent. Yeah. So with that. And uh, Princess Bride, like, I just assumed he was British. No, he's not. But he's the thing is, with the British accent, people tend like, um, overdo it too much. And you do get the Dick Van Dyke version of, you know, what, the, the accent. Where those guys are so subtle with it, you can never tell they're not English. They're amazing. Absolutely amazing. But, That's um, great. And wait, I know, and I know they, they've always tried to do the accent like me. Oh, by the way, Carrie Ewells, mm-hmm. uh, born in Westminster. What, London? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, was so he? I guess he really is legit. Oh, I thought he was American. <laughs> when did I read he was? Oh, Wikipedia or something. Maybe somebody it. lied to you. I mean, <laughs> Wikipedia is where I got this from, so maybe somebody could have <laughs> changed it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I've changed things on Wikipedia before. <laughs> I've seen people mess up. I'm like, nah, that's not how it happened. <laughs> so, um, television shows. Yeah. Uh, are there any 80s TV shows that you watched back, you know, back in the day or that, you know, have resonated with you today that, that are noteworthy. Yeah. And there's, I'm not sure if it made it to the America, the young ones. Did you have that in America? Uh, yeah, it was more of a cult following here, but yes. I mean that I've seen that so many times. I can't count. It's just, that to me was just the best telly because it was so uh, like originally when they made it, um, they, they basically, if they put music in it, they got a variety license. So they got more money for the show, which is why you've got the bands in it. So right. you, you've got everything. You've got like, you've got music, you've got comedy, you've got anarchy, you've got surrealism. And, and it's just, you know, and everyone's been a student at some point, if you're at school or not. So yeah. it's one of those things where it was just so bizarre and irrelevant. It was just like bits in it were completely irrelevant on purpose. And that's the bit that you think that is just pure genius. They tried to make it in America and it was called, oh no, not them again, apparently. And they made one episode, but you can't get your hands on it. I'd love to see it. And they, they only kept Neil, who was the guy with the, the hippie. And they changed all the others. Um, and I'd love to see the American version of that. And if it would have worked. I don't think it would because it was so British. I don't think it would it would work very well. Which is why I think it, it had the cult following that it did here. Yeah. Because cause British humor, even though, like, I get it and a lot of people get it, it just kind of doesn't come across it doesn't translate quite as much which is why i think you know it monty python's the same thing like yeah. i find it funny but not hilarious funny like oh okay i get it yeah and people go well you just don't get british humor what i get it and just don't find <laughs> it very funny <laughs> i mean but you know this i'm sure the same would be said for the crude irreverent american humor from yeah true i was a big um cartoon guy because obviously i was uh, like even now I watch cartoons i don't care but i, I was he-man was a big one for me i used to watch he-man yeah. all the time and i mean skeletor was probably the greatest tv villain ever who's never been recognized as a brilliant tv villain because he's just he don't care about anything than killing he-man and getting castle grayskull that's literally his motivation he doesn't have a change of heart he doesn't care about anything he just wants those two things and that's it and you've got to remind that determination for a man with no face he just constantly just you know he just didn't he wakes care. up in the morning stretches like <laughs> God, I'm going to kill He-Man today. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm going to have that Castle Grayskull. And then um, what, I remember in England, um, if anything was a bit too, 
uh, violent or racy. It was on late. But I remember I used to stay up to about half 11 on a Friday night because school was done on a Friday. And I watched um, Tour of Duty, you know, the Vietnam... That was on on Friday nights, and that was yeah. that was really good. And like my stepdad loved that, and he, I bought him a box set for Christmas two years ago, and he's just finished the marathon in that out. So oh, it was wow. it, it was a real mix of like anarchy, cartoons, and Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I mainly remember about telly. We had a really good um, um, thing on telly around eighty seven Halloween, and it was called Ghost Watch. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. No. Um, and it was a, basically what they did was is they didn't tell anybody. It was the first kind of live interactive TV program there was in England. And they, it, so it's Halloween and it was on nine o'clock. And the idea was, is they were going to do a live uh, ghost hunt, at this haunted, supposedly haunted house. So they go there and they set up the cameras. And um, there was, in England, there was a haunting called the Enfield Haunting where these two girls were getting thrown across the room and there was all these noises. And I think it's, um, What's it called? Uh, the Nun 2 based their story on it. It's one of those films like The Nun or Insidious based the story on it. Very similar. Um, anyway, so Ghostwatch was on and we watched it at night. And the idea was they were going around this house. And at one point you saw someone in the background and people were genuinely phoning in going, you've just missed that. There's someone in the background and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then at the end of it, it became so bizarre that they realised it was a hoax. And then I remember watching that in 87. So, you know, I was probably nine or ten, and I was absolutely terrified of it because I thought I'd seen a live ghost on telly. Um, and then the next day it came out as it was a, it was like not a prank, but it was like live interactive telly and they didn't tell anybody. And it, it was just absolutely amazing. And th- that and Live Aid are the two big telly events I do remember watching. I remember my mum had Live Aid on all day long. And I remember it was it was it was boiling hot, and the music was just pumping out all day. And I remember, you know, because me and my mum we were a single parent family, so obviously I lived with my mum. So we, I remember she had the music on all day, and she was dancing around in the living room in our masonette, and the, and the sun was shining. It was really hot, and it was just a really good day. So I remember lots of music and being scared. They're the two main big things I remember about. <laughs> Lots of music and being scared. Yeah, yeah the, the American humor that warped your mind. That's right. Yeah, until the nineties when we had a program called The Word that came mm-hmm. out, and that was basically Anarchy Telly and L Seven. I don't remember the grunge band L Seven, and they did something on telly. I'm not going to tell you what that is. You can Google that one. But um, right. that was outrageous. But uh, yeah, so I remember Live Aid being on. Um, I've got a, a brief memory of my mum being upset when Len, John Lennon was killed. I remember that mm. she was really, I remember she was really sad. I remember hearing Imagine all day and I was only four or five, but I do remember hearing like John Lennon's voice a lot. And I remember my mum being really sad. So that must've been 80. I remember that as well. So December 1980. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, British telly has always been really good. It kind of evolved itself and it pushed the boundaries every single time. Not the same with ghost watch and various other mm. programs. And it really, really pushed the boundaries. And, um, it's good. It's good. I mean, I don't watch telly now. I don't know about yourself, but telly now is not what it was. And I just think you, you, you have a golden net period of every part, you have music and you have telly and you have, you know, film or whatever. And I think eighties telly was the golden peak of telly. I think there was so much stuff. Um, I mean, being a kid, you know, I mean, a team, manimal, you know, all these sorts of things were on that were just blew your mind when you were just, you know, 10 and 11, um, and things, oh, um, MacGyver, things like the Equalizer, all these programs that were on that were just all American again, you know, all American. There wasn't a lot of British telly. We, we met in England in the eighties, we mainly had breakfast telly as in like a Saturday morning show. And then the rest of it was sort of a team and bits and bobs like that. They, that was always on about five o'clock in the afternoon. You'd have a team on and then maybe, um, MacGyver would be on after, and then you had a bit of quantum leap. Uh, and then you had um, Next Generation, Star Trek, that was always on as well. So in England, they would give you a good, you know, three or four hours of stuff. 
um, to watch. And I don't know if that was designed to keep the kids busy. I don't know if that was like, you know, you sit and watch that and your parents can do what they want for, for two hours. You know, it's that, that kind the of ratings thing. are up because the parents are just <laughs> done with the kids. That's like, right. Here, yeah. I hear MacGyver's on. Go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> and all that sort of stuff, you know. What I love about 80s Tony now is when you, when you like, I went through this this period about a year ago where I was finding all these things and rewatching them. So I got the 18 box set and stuff like that. And then, you know, now I see the ramp, you know, at the start in the intro when the, the, the van flips over, it hits a ramp hidden behind a really rubbish bush, <laughs> you know, and, and everybody got shot at and nobody died, you know. Like that sort oh, yeah. Of 75 bullets, nobody gets hit. Uh, yeah. So it's- Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, owner and user of Mint Mobile. And I am recording this message on my phone. I'm literally on my Mint phone. Why? Because fancy recording studios cost money. And if we spent money on things like that, we couldn't offer you screaming deals. Like if you sign up now for three months, you get three months free on every one of your plans, even unlimited. Visit mintmobile.com slash switch. Limited time, new customer offer. Activate within 45 days. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Unlimited customers using more than 40 gigabytes per month will experience lower speeds. Video streams at 480p. See mintmobile.com for details. It's amazing when you look back at it, you know, you can see the magic, you know, that it kind of kills the magic and it kind of doesn't. Yet again, it's going back to the school reunion. It's the same thing to me if you go back and look at it. So maybe I shouldn't watch these programs now because it might kill it for me. You know, it's, well, it, you know. <laughs> I tell you what, what's funny to me, and I, and I still will watch it every time, you know, I've got the box set of this one too, is is the 1966 Batman series. Oh, fantastic. I've got that. It's fantastic. It's like, when I started watching that, I was probably seven or eight years old. It was already have it had already gone through its run, but like it would be on, and then you'd have to the cliffhanger for the next night. Like yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, Robin could really die, <laughs> and and it's now I'll look at it and just like, oh my gosh, this is hokey and cheesy, and my goodness, I love it as much as I did when I was a kid. <laughs> Do you remember so, the yeah. one where they tied him in the human knot? Do you remember that one? And it was yes. like, Robin, if you wiggle your ears and I move my ankle, well, I'd look. <laughs> Garbage. And you're thinking, oh, they can really do that. <laughs> and every gadget Batman needed, he had on him. And he shark repellent. Need a bat shark repellent? <laughs> I got it. I knew I was going to be in the ocean today and yeah. I just figured I should be prepared. So, yeah. I'll tell you what was big at the end of the 80s and the start of the 90s was the monkeys. They rerun the monkeys over here. And that oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was really they big. Had a, so, they had a resurgence here. In '86, where they um, they they had they had a greatest hits album, and they had like two or three, you know, new songs on there, and yeah. uh, that was then. This is now became a hit, and they started on MTV. They started rerunning Monkeys episodes. Yeah, so these you know teenagers or even like I remember as a kid watching it, but um, yeah, it had a huge resurgence, which is was really was really surprising to me because as a kid I loved them. Yeah, as teenager i thought oh yes who i liked as a kid why are they suddenly popular now i say so- yeah i mean the batman one for us was uh your 66 one they run that in the morning so you mm-hmm. get you get up at seven seven a.m to go to school and they put it on between um half seven and eight mm-hmm. so every day you watch an episode then you go to where's you walking to school you meet your mates you go do you watch batman this morning like, yeah what's that enough out <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, I know what you mean. Once you, the exception to the rule is Columbo. If you watch Columbo now, Columbo's amazing still. Columbo's, oh, yeah. that's the only exception to the rule. If you watch the 70s, 80s, whichever ones you want, they're still incredible. So, and Murder She Wrote, that was big for us over here as well. Really? That was always yeah. considered like an old person's show here. That was a Saturday afternoon prime time for us. That was six o'clock. Yeah. When, yeah. It was like, it was like Sunday evening. 
after like 60 minutes kind of a show, 60 minutes is a new show. Yeah. Uh, after that would be like Murder, She Wrote. And it's usually the older, older people would watch it. The young people just completely dismiss <laughs> it. Like, oh. Was there, a, was there ever one when it came on, you just switched it off? You didn't give it any time of day? Was there anything you just went, no, I'm not watching that? Even from- well, well, back then, the, the way the cable was set up, like, you know, you had... Um, you got like 60 channels or whatever in the eighties to choose from. And like, if, if like you can get like the show as it originally aired, mm. but then they would go into syndication later where, you know, they would also, you know, not only would they be in prime time at like eight o'clock, but you could see older, like reruns, like, you know, four or five o'clock on certain right. you know, independent channels. So you could always, you can always find stuff like Friends. Like today, you can watch Friends anytime, night or day. That's on right. Some <laughs> it's on. So <laughs> I love it. All right, so um, we're going to shift gears <coughs> here just a bit. Yeah, and talk about my favorite part of the '80s was the music. Cool, music, movies. It's all good. Love it. Love it. Love reminiscing about it. Love mm-hmm. talking about the hangouts, the proms, and stuff. The music. So what kind of music were you into back then? I was kind of out of step with everybody. I've got to be honest. Um, so remember I said I was a single parent family. Well, my, my dad used to pick me up at the weekends. Um, so I'd be Monday to Friday being my mum's and then Friday night to Saturday, Sunday night, Monday morning, I'd be with my dad. Um, and he lived about 30 miles from where we were living. So he would pick me up um, and every every time he said, oh, here's some cassettes. He, he always played cassettes. He was an like I'm a massive record collector, like my dad is. It's probably his fault, to be fair. So he would go, oh, and he put cassettes in. And I remember he had. Um, I'll tell you it in a story. It's an easy way of doing it. So we in school we had to sit there and count cars. Do you ever do that where you go? How many blue cars go past in an hour? And how many reds and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so I got two cassettes off my dad, which was his two favourites. Um, but he played a lot of stuff, and these were the two favourites I got. So I was sitting there one day counting the cars, and they said, right, what have you got? Um, I said like five blues and blah, 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 whatever. So my mate said, um, I've got the new Kids on the Block album. Do you want to listen to it? So I said, no, I'm fine. I said, I've got my own stuff. And he said, what have you got? I said, I've got um, the best of Steely Dan and the best of the Kinks. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, this is probably... I hear Steely Dan and the Kinks over New Kids on the Block any day of the week too. So, <laughs> so this, is, this is probably 1988, 89, something like that. Whenever the New Kids came out, 89, 90. And I, I, those were what I was listening to at the time. Steely Dan, who I'm still a massive fan of, Sin Live as well. And the Kinks is greatest hits. Um, so I was kind of at a step in the 80s of what was going on. But I did, obviously get into Bon Jovi I liked Poison as well um, what they used to do in England there was a magazine called Kerrang I don't know if you get it in America and it was a, a music magazine but every so many months they would release a video um, called Kerrang 1, 2, 3, 4 remember? and what they would do they would put the videos of the most popular artists on these like, like a greatest hits thing so every six months you would watch these videos and I remember watching Poison's video a band called Halloween I don't know if you remember them they were on it uh, yeah. my, my friend was really heavily into Iron Maiden. Um, so a lot of it for me, for when I was around, my, his name was Garnet. So when I was around his house, he would play Iron Maiden records all the time. And I remember we walked to um, WH Smith's uh, to get the album Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. It had just come out. I remember we walked there to pick it up uh, with the amazing cover of Eddie, like this half droplet thing on the front. The artwork was always amazing for Iron Maiden. Um, so really, I suppose it would be, um, it would be, Steely Dan for me, it was uh, that. And then I was a huge, huge Queen fan 
Um, okay. So we had what we had was a guy. That, I, isn't it kind of like a rule that if you live in England, like you have to be a Queen fan? Now it is. Now it is. So, so what happened was is I'll, I'll tell you about that as well. So what happened was is you you used to have these guys that would have vans and they would come around with videos and you would rent the video at the van. So he would go oh. like so instead of you going to a video shop, they would they would get it somehow. They're probably bootlegs and they would come around and go. You can have the, like four films for a fiver and you keep it for a week and you come around a week later and pick it up. And I used to get the Queen's Greatest Hits video every single week. So in the end, my mum said, you can, I'll buy it. Because it was costing, a, I think, four quid a week. And it was only £10 to buy. So eventually she gave in and she bought it for me. And I played that video to death, you know, and it's got, um, all, so the Greatest Hits album on video. Imagine that, that's what it is. And then, so talking about, like, liking Queen. So I liked Queen then. And then I had, um, like, a quick Queen poster. And uh, I remember 91, Freddie died. We're going to jump forward a tiny bit. Freddie died. I remember that day at school, I got more crap that one day than I've ever had in my entire life. When Because Freddie Mercury came out as HIV positive and then he died the next day. So that was that was the timeline. So then I've gone, I've gone into school the next day and it like, because everyone knew I liked Queen. It was one of the things where just people know what you like, don't they, when you're in school. They know what you like. So it's yeah. like, oh, you and your fag music. And yeah, oh, that gay boy, all this sort of stuff, you know. I got in a lot of fights that day. I'm a very calm person and I don't fight, but just people wanted to fight you for, you know, Freddie Mercury being gay. There was a lot of that going on that day. I remember that. So there was a, you know, so I was a huge Queen fan. Anyway, ironically now, you know, you've, you've fast forward 30 years. These people have grown up. You've got them on Facebook and it's like, um, you know, The Miracle by Queen. Oh, this is one of my favourite songs of all time. And it's like, you know, the irony of then and now. It's like, you know. Not when you were... 14 it was. <laughs> yeah. So when you're 14, you know, you and you like Queen, you you just got to be ready for a fight. And when you're older, now now Queen now in England is an institution. You can't not like Queen. You're absolutely right. But- it's almost like that here and which is funny because growing up it was like um like you know, we will rock you. We are the champions. We're popular. Yeah. You know, and another one bites the dust like some of these things are coming out. So like the like they were respected and revered like by the rock and roll community but like the normal top 40 whatever it was just a few songs here and there mm. as time has gone on like now it's like queens re- revered as gods or something it's yeah. like how, how how did that happen i mean queen queen got really hurt by the they did the um i want to break free video didn't they and they dressed up as in drag oh yeah and yeah. then um, they were doing taking the pee out of a program in england like coronation street which is a soap opera but mm-hmm. apparently a lot of America didn't understand the humour. And it was like, oh, they're cross-dressing. I mean, this is the 80s. It's a different, everyone's different now. But, oh, yeah. you know, the mindset then was you can't do that. <laughs> so well, there, were, there was the, yeah. the Van Halen Pretty Woman uh, video. The MTV would not air because there was a person dressed in drag in it. Crazy. It's like, really? I never saw the big deal. I mean, it's, it's really strange. Like, videos could come out. You had Frankie Says, um, like, Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood which is mm-hmm. a really extreme video when you watch it. And then you've got, I want to break free and stuff like that. But if you tried to play that on the radio in England, that got banned. My teacher accidentally banned George Michael one day. He, um, he worked, he worked for the, he worked for the BBC and, uh, I want your sex was coming out as a single. And a couple of people heard it and they said, Oh, I don't like this. This is too racy. So he was in his office, um, just doing what he was doing. And the walk over just said, sign this for me. So he went, okay, just signed it. Then it turned out he was one of the people that banned the single. Huh. So they didn't tell him what it was for. They just said, I'll sign this. He went, okay. Like, cause he was busy doing something. And he, he uh, when you look at the band people, his name was on it. And he said, I love that record. I want to band it. 
So you dropped that day? Yes. So in in England, MTV, um, you could play whichever video you liked. And, and like, I mean, if you look at Duran Duran videos, they're really, really near the knuckle sometimes. You know, like, oh yeah, uh, is it girls on film where they're mud wrestling at the start and stuff like that? That's the one. So yeah, yeah but I, I mean, in England, MTV. If you had MTV, you was rich in England. That's how it worked. You know, I didn't. I ne- I never got MTV at all in my entire life. My friend Ross had it, so he, he used to have to go to his house to watch the videos. And um, so it's strange. Yeah, you could play whatever video you wanted on MTV in England, and that's fine. But if you try to put a record like Relax on, that got banned, you know, mm-hmm. and then I Want Your Sex instantly banned, you know what I mean, and things oh, like that. That's but funny. It's just, it's just ironic that, you know, Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed got under the radar completely. Yeah. And, what about uh, Lola by The Kings? Again. But if you listen to Happy Talking by Captain Sensible, I don't know if you had that single over there. He was from The Damned. He actually says a swear word. A lady's part, beginning with C, he says that in the actual song and it got through and no one knew it until he spoke about it two years ago. And then when you do, honestly, when you hear the, hear the record now, you can't unhear it. He's absolutely, so he was recording the single, they were doing the backing track. They said, go to the pub for a little bit. So he's got absolutely plastered, come back and sung the vocal, which is the one on the track, swore in the middle eight part and no one picked up on it. And he said two years ago, he said, no, no one's ever pulled me on it. And they still play it now. And no one's actually said, actually, we know he says the C word and they still do it. Which is funny when you, because when you think about context, I want your sex is about monogamy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's about, you know, um, clean sex. You yeah. know, it's about, you know, only one partner and being safe or whatever. That is, uh, that's hilarious. So if you want to know which bit it is, I'll, I'll give you a clue. It, it's the mid-late part where he says, um, see the little boys and the little girls. And he says, jolly baby, I'm a lucky C word. So if you, <laughs> wow. if you hear the record now, you can't unhear it. And I, every time I've heard it now, since I found out on the radio, I, I can hear it every time. And it just makes me, makes me laugh. Now, my brain forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an earworm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In the, an earworm. Nice. <laughs> so what, what is the first album you ever bought? Oh, that's a difficult one. Oh, I suppose it would be. I, let me rephrase that. Okay. First album as a music fan, not a little kid that just kind of found an album somewhere. It would have been The Game by Queen, the, the 1998 oh, okay. album. Yeah. That was a great one. Yes. I remember that, I got... That is my favorite Queen album, by the way. Fantastic album, yeah. Uh, actually, I'll rephrase that. Uh, so it would have been Wet, Wet, Wet's first album, popped in, okay. sold out. But I bought it for my mum as a present. Mm-hmm. So I first got pocket money when I had enough to like, it got one up from 25p to 50 or something. I saved up for like seven months and when I bought her a record as a present because she's my mum and she's amazing. And then, oh, and you're a good son, aren't you? Oh, I'll try. And then I, the first record I bought for me was the game. So technically it was wet, 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 but it wasn't for me. So the game was the one, I mean, that album is brilliant. If people haven't heard the game by Queen, I, I, I mean, news of the world sometimes I think okay. is the best. And thinking, then the game. Thinking of, thinking of the game, what's your favorite so- song on that album? I like Rocket Prime Jive. I, I like that one too. Which is one of the songs. There's a, there's a really good podcast called uh, Queen Pod. And they, they basically review all the albums um, from Queen and they talk about live concerts and stuff like that. Um, and that's the song they slated the most. And I think that's one of the better songs on it. I think my, it, my, my favorite's Dragon Attack. Yeah, Dragon Attack's really good. I just think, you know, don't try suicides on there, which is a positive message. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me and my friend used to sing that all the time. Really? Yeah. We just sit there and just snap your fingers and sing it. And nice. I don't know why we did. I don't know why that memory come flooding back just then, but 
That's yeah. nice. It's because we're talking about it, yeah. It's a crime yeah. that John Deacon, uh, you know, the bass player, is basically a recluse now. Because to talk to that guy would, would just be amazing. Yeah. you know, he was just the most level-headed one out of all of them, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know. He, he seemed like it. He's like, like you said, the bass player, he just kind of sits in the back, does his thing. Yeah. Clocks out and goes home. He's, he's just, his story, there was a great documentary, I don't know if you've got America, about Queen, and it, it was about three hours long. Um, going through their life, and he he didn't take part in it. It's a real shame because you've got Freddie on tape, you've got Brian and Roger now, but to hear John's version of it would have been brilliant. Just but yeah, yeah. But he gets seen in London at restaurants every now and again. But you know, it's a shame. But yeah, I suppose the game would be the first one that I, I remember. I remember I went to John Menzies again because that's what we had here in our town, and I, I bought a. Fi- I've still got it next door. I've still got the uh, still got the final. I still got it. Yeah, and it's you know I was a, I was a great junk shop person my my mum and nan used to take because like i said we were poor so they would take me to um, a place called bernardo's which was a, a children's charity so you would buy um bric-a-brac for nothing you know and i remember there was always vinyls there so i i, I crewed a lot of vinyls which I still have today from those shops and i've got a great love for charity and you know giving things to charity shops and buying from charity shops you know, be, be, yeah, you know, before it became trendy, like it is now. <laughs> yes, yes, now it's all the rage. So, um, if you had to have one album, one '80s album, you could only listen to for the rest of your life. You could only listen to one album in the '80s only, from 1980 to 1989. Yeah, which one would it be? New Kids on the Block. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Thanks goodness, I didn't want to have to edit. <laughs> Yeah, again, that's a really, really hard question, isn't it? There's so much stuff. There's yeah. so much stuff. I mean, it depends what genre I want to walk down. Could I have one for every genre or is it just got to be one record only? You know what? You, you take a couple of different genres. You, you can do two or three albums. Okay. Um, well, Queen's Greatest Hits, I think, would be the one. I think that's the yeah. one that I've got the most memories of playing. Like I say, it was Steely Dan's Greatest Hits. It was um, uh, the Kinks and then the Queen one. They're the, they're the three albums I remember I just played endlessly, you know over and over again so yeah so the, the well the, the Steely Dan one I had come out in 78 that's the one with the white cover and the Kinks one come out in 90 so I can't have any of those so yeah it'll be Queen Queen's Greatest Hits I'll, I'll pick that one I think that makes more sense for me to say okay a um, couple more questions before we move on to the to the last segment so um, are there any bands in England that maybe didn't hit big in the US that you thought we should this thought that you thought should have been bigger and that maybe we should go back and listen to now. Did you have, did the specials do very well for you? They didn't. Um, yeah. And so, so our MTV story, like the day MTV launched, it was only on a few cable systems in the U S I was fortunate that the, um, that the cable cable company I had, was playing it. So day one, I was watching MTV. Yeah. I was, I had a paper route, so I deliver newspapers in the neighborhood. And then I got back for video number two, which was Pat Benatar hit me with your best shot. Nice. Instead of, I missed video killed the radio star, oh, but fantastic. of course it looped. I saw it a thousand times later, but um, what was, ha- what happened on MTV back then is uh, if you, I mean, you could read up on this, um, the MTV was trying to get their hands on as many music videos from as many record labels as they could. Yeah. Many record labels like CBS, for example, would not give up their videos. Like they saw it as a fad for fashion <laughs> of pain. They wanted MTV to pay them to, to show the videos, Yeah, which they didn't have. Again, they figured out later that, Hey, 
I've got this audience of teenagers seeing their favorite stars and buying the records. Like in Oklahoma, in the middle of America's uh, Southwest, uh, Duran Duran's uh, Rio album was selling thousands and thousands of copies, and they couldn't figure out why it was selling so well there. And they figured out, oh, it's one of the few markets at that time that had MTV. <laughs> nice. They were kind of figuring it out. But back to the thing, the specials, um, they were one of those bands that were on early MTV because they were trying to get their hands on any anything they could. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember the specials from back then. I, I liked them. Because yeah. there's, there's a really fascinating documentary about the Go-Go's. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, and, um, I have not, and I, and I have been meaning to ever, it's been out for about a year or so now. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the, um, Jane Wilden was seeing, um, one of, um, the specials cause they're on tour together and our lips are sealed was written pretty much by both of them. So one of the specials and one of the go-go's, mm-hmm. um, and the specials, you know, they started their own label, Jeffrey Dammers, the keyboard player started two tone, the record label who then launched a massive scar based band bands in England. So, you know, the specials are definitely worth a look. Did you get Adam Ant in America? Um, Well, you know, it's funny because when Adam and the Ants, again, I was a little offbeat myself because like, you know, prior to like MTV, we're kind of exposed to top 40 radio, which pretty much was the hits or you're listening to the, to the, to the rock station, which is, you know, the more rock and roll stuff. Yeah. And um, so I would buy like Rolling Stone magazine mm-hmm. and Rolling Stone would have charts on there and they'd have the British charts. And I'd see bands on there like Adam and the Ants, like um, Bow Wow Wow, like the specials or yeah. Madness or people like that. So I'm like, I would love to just hear what these guys, because th- we didn't have the internet. There was no outlet. There were no radio stations playing them. And uh, when MTV was launched, we're now seeing these Adam and the Ants videos. Yeah. And then Adam Ant never really caught on here until the Friend or Foe album came out. And yeah. then Goody Two Shoes was a huge, massive hit here. Yeah. And, uh, so that that's kind of, again, he faded out fast here, man. I know he had a, a, a decent, probably decade-long career. Yeah. We only got about a year or two where he had a, a decent impact here in the U.S. It, so it's um, interesting. Adam Ant. Like I loved him when I was a kid straight away. And I've got this, I've still got the seven inches next door, the singles. And even now I refer to some of the lyrics of his songs to when I decide to do something. So mm. I, like I started the podcast uh, and like I'm in my forties now and I thought, am I going to do that or not? Is it going to work? What's the point? You know, like, like that you do when you, you dance yourself. Right. And in the song Prince Charm In, he says, ridicule is nothing to be scared of. And I've literally followed that mantra my entire life. That, that one sentence, I don't have any tattoos at all. I don't have tattoos, but if I did, I'd have that, you know, don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared to be laughed at if it doesn't work. And that was one of the reasons I know we'll talk about it in a bit, but why my podcast happened because that song gave me the confidence to do it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 That's funny. You say that because I went, when I started seeing Adam and the Ants videos, I started buying the cassettes Mm. and the Prince Charming cassette was one of my very favorites. And when you said, when you talk about lyrics, you said, I'm like, he's going to say ridicule is nothing to be scared of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And um, did you have Shaking Stevens in America? I don't think you did. Did you you? know what? That is hilarious because he had (laughs) one charting hit here. Yeah, and I'm. It's escaping me which one it was. Is it we Green Door? His- Would it be Green Door? Uh, uh, this no. old house, maybe. Uh, I cried just a little bit. Mm. That yeah, that's, that's is a the good one. one. Song that hit here, 
it, it was not a huge hit. And most people don't remember, but I do. But yeah, I, I was reading someplace where he was a, a huge star over there, just like Cliff Richard was never a big star here, but huge over there. But I mean, anyway, I'm sorry, back to Shaken Stevens. It's just, yeah, I mean, Shaken Stevens is a weird phenomenon because he's an English, no, he's a Welshman pretending to be an Elvis impersonator to a degree and singing an Elvis style. But he's great. And st- going over well in England, but not in America where yeah. he was. Yeah, that's very weird. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he was massive when I was a kid, and I've got all the singles next. Funny enough, so my house that I'm in now, we, me and my my girlfriend bought it two, three years ago this year. So we moved in, and this is pre-pandemic. I went down the town on my own to have a walk around. I found a charity shop. Like I said, I love charity shops. I went in, and there was a, I guess it's four foot by two foot poster of Shaking Stevens that was signed at the bottom <laughs> by no Shaking. Yeah, so I brought it home. And just I said, don't go mad, but I've got this. <laughs> you know, I just had to have it. And it was it was like ten dollars. You know that I could not walk past it. Like, not- where are you gonna hang that at exactly, Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> I've no idea, and it's still in the cupboard upstairs. <laughs> but he's a he's a I mean in in England, everyone was shaky, he's crazy. And like he I mean he did he did a lot of covers of American classics to a degree. He did like this old yeah. house and well but he wrote his own songs and the ones he did write were really, really good. Like you would not know the join if you know what I mean. You wouldn't tell what what he wrote and what he covered. He did them all very well, and uh, yeah, he was huge. He's touring hopefully next year. I want to go and see him and you know all that sort of stuff. But yeah, Shaky's another one. I'd say if you've never seen Shaking Stevens, just for the novelty value of an American looking yeah. at an Elvis wannabe, I suppose it's worth checking out. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, it it was probably a year or so ago when I was when I was actually saw that song and I. And I, that's when I kind of found out he was huge in England. Yeah. I started you know, kind of looking him up like, okay, what's, uh, what's, you know, who is this guy? And I did find several songs on there. And I was listening to a few that, that I liked. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That, that one hit is the one that, that I probably remember the most, but it's really good. Yeah. Okay. So the, the last music question I'll ask you sure. is, are there any, um, American acts that, you know, we're huge in America that maybe didn't quite resonate with the British crowd that you kind of thought maybe should have. Um, that's a difficult one. Yeah. The thing is we were so shut off. We didn't have access to what was, do you mean like retrospectively now? What would, what would be a good band? Um, jellyfish, they come out in the late eighties. Jellyfish were very good. And, okay. and um, uh, do you know Jellyfish? I've heard of here. Oh, so Jellyfish were a band. They, if you can put the Beach Boys and the Beatles together, then they, that would be Jellyfish. So the first, their last album came out in 89, I believe it was, and then it was 90 onward. Um, if I got this wrong, I apologise, but I'm sure they were. it was 80. No, no, no. I've, I've heard of them, but I, yeah. I couldn't tell you one song they sung. So maybe I have to look into them. Um, joining a fan club is the big one. But amazingly, they're having this massive resurgence at the minute on YouTube and stuff like that. People are discovering them. Uh, and then mm. they're, they're kind of shooting up in the charts a bit from nowhere. Like they're just All of a sudden, everybody's talking about them. I mean, like something hits the zeitgeist and they're gone. And they, and they just travel and all that. American bands, though, I honestly don't know. I don't know what bands were around at the time that I would think were... We're really, really good at the time. I might have to come back to you on that one. I've got to think about that one, I think. Well, so one, one thing you brought up earlier, which was a little bit of su- surprising, uh, which I would have never thought, is you brought up Poison. Yeah. Po- oh, yeah. Poison then, yeah. Were they, were they big there? They weren't big. You know what? You're right. I'll use that. I was, I was forgetting Poison. So Poison yeah. were on those videos I told you about, the Kerrang! videos. And then you had Look What The Cat Dragged In. 
uh, yeah. the album come out. Huge here. Yeah. I would I, I listen to that. That sounds very American, uh, pretentious to me. Yeah. I would think the Brits would not get into. So, but yeah, I mean, it's yet again, it's that, um, my friend listened to Iron Maiden, that kind of, so he, he was like, oh, this band's, you might like these, they're very glam sort of thing. Cause it reminded me of the seventies stuff, you know, or the, yeah, very much. so yeah, I would say poison. I mean, poison could probably fill out a stadium, but not over so many nights. So I'll, okay. I'll, yeah, I'll take that as, yeah, you're right. I'll take poison. I think poison would be the one that were, that I really liked. Oh, Vixen was another one. Vixen. Okay. Yeah. 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 Vixen. I remember, um, is it Edge of a Lonely Heart? Is that their song? Yeah. 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 I mean, that was on that video again. I remember thinking they're really good. Um, but that, that, they sort of, that's they were the, easy on the eyes too. They were. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. So that, I would suppose those as well. Yeah. They was, um, but my friend, he was into, um, like Black Flag and stuff like that. So lately I've been listening to a lot of Black Flag, um, that sort of 80s punk stuff. Um, I don't get it, but he loves it. <laughs> I don't understand it, but he absolutely loves it. And I went to see, um, the residents recently. I went to see those. Um, okay. They're another punk band from the eighties. Um, yeah, again, I had a great time. I didn't get it, but he was loving it. So, um, yeah. And you're there to support your friends. I was, yeah, because because he, he's from New York. He went to like CBGBs and he went to oh yeah all yeah. these places. So he saw these punk bands and he's like, oh, they're, they're touring. We've got to go and see them. I go, okay. And then uh, you know, I just watch them. And think, oh, they're okay. And um, who's the lot that did? Um, Another really big band. I've listened to them now. Oh, they've gone out of my head. They were on the um, the Nirvana Unplugged album, Meat Puppets. Meat Puppets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've listened to them quite a lot lately. They're another band that were never big until Nirvana made them big. Yeah. Um, they're, right. another, they're another great band that have got some really interesting albums. But like I say, in England, you never really heard of those until Nirvana mentioned it. But that was in the 90s they got mentioned. So it was, a, you know, nearly a decade previous they had the first album out. So gotcha. it's, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So we're going to take a one more brief break and mm-hmm. then we're going to come back and we're going to talk all about your podcast. What can we expect? So hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Jack Hughes from Wang Chung. This is the 80s Rewind podcast. Welcome back to Living in the 80s. This is our last segment here. And again, I've got Robbie Burgess with me here. And Robbie, I want to give you the chance now to talk about your podcast because you know part of one of the reasons that we wanted to do this today was to really help um expand your audience so cool. you know people that you know, may not know who you are or what the podcast is about you know, you're going to get a chance to let them know what to expect i know you've had some very special guests that have been very cool mm-hmm. so talk to like Pretend I've never heard of your podcast before, never listened to it, don't know what to expect. What would a listener expect if they tuned in? Well, shall I tell you I got into it? Yes, yes, please start from the beginning. Okay, I'll tell you I got into it because it makes more sense, I think. It's a bit of a linear story. So um, I was working part-time for some radio stations on and off, doing bits and bobs, uh, and I was doing 80 shows on all of them. And then, um, unfortunately, my dad got really ill when he was dying. So I went to, I went to saw my dad and I was like, Dad, I'm fed up. I'm doing all these shows. He said, well, you know what you got to do? You've got to start your own radio station. So I went, all right then. So <laughs> as you do, I went off and started a radio station with my friend. And I was doing the 80s show on that. And then um, I just got an email out of the blue um, from, uh, should I name the artist or not? I don't know if I should name him. Oh, anyway, an artist emailed me and just said, um, oh, by the way, I've got a new single coming out. Would you like to talk to me? So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. 
So I did, um, I emailed the person and we got the uh, dialogue going and I interviewed this artist and it went really well. And uh, I, I never... Wait, wait, hold on a second. Mm. We love name dropping around here. Oh, okay. So feel free to, to plug any artist or song or whatever you want to. Okay. So it was um, Charlene Oliver who had a hit with Never Been To Me. And um, and she um, she emailed me and said, I've got a new single coming out. Would you like to talk to me? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So. Wait. Charlene, the one that has the song about sleeping with the kings and the whole thing. I think that's that, the one. Yeah. Charlene. It goes, hey, lady. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we voted that as the worst song of all time on <laughs> Living in the <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Been to Georgia and California, that one. Oh, yeah. So hold yeah. on. Wait. Mind blown. <laughs> so Charlene reached out to you yeah. about interviewing her on your show. Yeah. So uh, some of our listeners are looking right now and they're laughing and, and guaranteed. I know Kevin, mm. not not the Kevin we talked about before, Kevin Ackley, who does a podcast. I guarantee he is texting me right this second as he's <laughs> listening to this. This is hilarious. So I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. I mean, you might not like the record, but she's the loveliest person in the world. She was absolutely lovely. So we basically, um, like we're doing now, we Zoomed and I interviewed Charlene and it went really, really well. Now, podcasting is one of those things that was always around. And I knew about it since it started. I knew people did. And, and I had no interest in it whatsoever because I was doing radio stuff and bits and bobs on that. And uh, I interviewed Charlene and I played it and out. And then um, I got an email from somebody saying, I really like your interview. That was really great. Have you got any more? So I was like, actually, no, I didn't think about it. It was one of those things where I just did one. And I thought, that, that's nice. That's an added bonus for the show. And then I just switched off from it. And then a few mates of mine said, like, you know, I really like that. You should do some more. So I was like, okay, then. So I thought, right, if I'm going to do a podcast, what is it going to be about? Like, Because there's um, people talking about it and there's people talking about 80s movies. And so I want to do something completely unique, a little bit different. So I thought, well, I interviewed Charlie and Oliver, who's a musician in the 80s. So why don't I talk to 80s musicians? Like, you know, just find out about... You know, so my experience of the eighties was, like I said, it was all sunshine and stuff like that. But like I said, we were really poor, me and my mum. So we, my mum had like, she, how can you put it? The eighties wasn't terrible for my mum, but she didn't enjoy it either. It wasn't all plain sailing. It was, you know, we got electricity cut off and bits and bobs like that. And all, all, so she had a great time and a terrible time. I had a wonderful time in the eighties and that's all I remember. So I thought, I wonder what a musician's version of that was like, you know, was it all sunshine and roses? So I, I've just, um, thought I'd do another interview and uh, I thought, right, so I'm going to do a podcast. I want to talk to 80s musicians about their careers, good or bad, you know, whether they had a hit, whether they didn't have a hit, whether they had a one hit wonder or whether they were successful. I just thought I'd try and talk to the people that did it. So the show is mainly um, me talking to musicians from the 80s about their albums and their singles and their experiences. And like anything, you know, you talk to um, like Charlene Oliver, we talked to Charlene and she recorded uh, a song with Stevie Wonder. So it's no way. Yeah. Yeah, she did. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No idea. So yeah, so she recorded a song with Stevie Wonder, which I think it got banned because of the lyrics were too racy. They were a bit near the knuckle. It was it was innocent lyrics, but they decided it was, you know, too near the knuckle, so they banned the record. And it's things like that, you know, like people just go to me would go to Charlene, you know, tell me about your biggest hit. Right, thank you very much. Let's move on. Whereas, you know, I said to you know, what's you know, what's the weirdest collaboration you had? Oh, Stevie Wonder. And then you've opened a new door and she gets to talk about something new for a change, you know. Oh, cool. And stuff like that. So to me, I'm really interested in, you know, there's things that you could talk about. Um, like I interviewed a guy called Owen Paul, who had a hit with You're My Favourite Waste of Time. 
um, which was a, a, it was technically a one-hit wonder in England. I don't know if it got anywhere in the States, but anyway, so back in, on the telly in the eighties, they used to mime to the records a lot. You know, they would, they would play the record, they would mime and do the bit, you know, sing like along. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was famously on a show called Pebble Mill, uh, which was a daytime TV show. And he was doing the single and the, I don't know if his monitors went down or he could near it, but the record started and he just sat there staring with a guitar, you know, and eventually his mate realised he was playing the other guitar and started miming. So he carried on. So there's footage of this all over the place, you know, like the most embarrassing TV things and da, 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 da. And in the, when I interviewed him, I decided I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not interested in, in a mistake. You know what I mean? I want to know about you hearing that single. So that was a one-hit wonder for him in England. But originally, Bette Midler did it on a live video, which is where he heard it. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that. You know, I don't want to embarrass people I'm talking to. I want to generally find out about the record, where it came from, was it easy to record and stuff like that. And you find, you know, I'm not here to dig dirt on people and I don't want to talk about embarrassing things. I'm not interested in that, you know. And I've, and I've seen this gentleman, Owen, uh, interviewed a few times and people bring that up and I just think you don't need to talk about that. It's his music that's important. That's what makes the man who he is and why you're talking to him. You don't need to talk about it. Not only that, but like, it's already been talked about. Like, yeah, okay, it is. Find him on. Kind of like class reunions. It's yeah. in the past. So, yeah. And he's got he's got a fantastic sense of humour about it. He really has. But I thought, you know, I don't want to be that guy that brings that rubbish up because it's not important. The reason mm-hmm. people are talking to him are about his record, and that's what I want to know about. Their personal lives don't come into it for me at all. Um, if they had a drug problem or something and they bring it in and say, you know, around the time I had really bad drugs, I didn't really stand five years. Fine. If you want to talk about that, it's fine. You won't get that from my podcast. You'll get me asking about their career, their records and their albums and what they're doing next. And, um, you know, they've been, it's amazing that how lovely the the people are from the eighties in general, the, the artists. Um, I mean, like, do you want me to tell you about how I get the guests or do you want me to go in a bit yeah, about the history? Yes, please do. I'm very interested in, in hearing how this happens. So literally for anyone that's the start, the same podcast as me, <laughs> here's how I do it. Um, I find their website online and I email them and that's it. That's all I've done. Huh. And then generally um, they'll either say yeah or no, and then you can just set up a date, a Zoom date, and then that's it. And that's all I've done. I've done nothing special. I don't know anybody in the music industry. I'm not connected to anybody. I've just emailed them. And then fortunately my first email lands. And if it doesn't, I'll email them a week later and say, can I talk to you still, by the way? I'm still here. I'm not gone. Uh, generally huh. on the second emails, you get a response from people. And then, then they know you're a little more serious. Yeah. And also they get so much traffic probably that you disappear in their email lists. And then the week later you bounce at the top again and they, they remember you're there. But they've been, there's you know two. What's going to happen now, don't you? The what's people that? that listen to my podcast are all, all the time going to start texting and emailing me like, hey, you need to get John Bon Jovi on the podcast <laughs> next week. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear Madonna or Cindy Lauper. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's one of those things where you have to know where you're, where you're aiming at. You know, there's, there's different, there's, I mean, we'll talk off, off, off mic about like the differences because it's not fair to name and shame people on here, but there's different people, you know, that you might be able to get in England in particular, I've noticed there's different categories of eighties artists. And Mm -hmm. if you know roughly where you can aim, um, Mm -hmm. you're more likely to get an interview. 
Um, sure. And everybody I've spoke to has been very, very lovely. Like there's a running joke. My, my friend listens to my podcast and he says, every episode you say he's a lovely, lovely guy. And it's like, because he was a lovely, lovely guy. And he said, you've got to stop saying that sentence. <laughs> so if, <laughs> if anybody goes back and finds out his Rewind Show podcast, every episode you're going to be going, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Because <laughs> they, they generally were really nice. There's two kind of interviews I've discovered. Um, there's Q and A interviews where I'll talk to say you, Rob, and you'll talk to me. And then there's right. ones where they will talk at you for two hours. You know, there's, there's, yeah. there's two kind of interviews. Um, there was one artist, I'm not going to name names on this one cause it's not fair, but I, I had a line of, um, so we started the, um, the, the zoom chat and he came on and I was like, hello. And he said, I've just done a brilliant interview of radio one, by the way. So that's how it started. <laughs> so ah. it, it started with him telling me he's already done a brilliant interview. So you're like, Okay, right then. And then um, I had basically, like, I, I research everybody I interview. I don't wing an interview like yourself. I do my background and I'll listen to, so if I, like, I, I spoke to Dennis Seaton for Musical Youth, who did Pass the Duchy um, last week, I think it was. So for the, so, yeah, so for the fortnight before, I listened to U- Musical Youth albums, all the singles I could find related to it, and then their history online, um, as much as I could learn about them. And then from that, I decide what I want to talk about, um, like I can give you an, an instance of, yet again, musical youth. So you had the five lads and then when the band broke up, one of them um, ended up being killed, I think it was. And one of them ended up in a mental institution. Unfortunately, he died two days ago. Funny enough, he died two oh, days ago. Man. Did none of this. Yeah. So um, it's one of those things where I had all that background there and I ignored those facts. It was like, right, you talk to me about musical youth, you know what I mean? And your single and how it affected your life. You know, and it's it's that sort of thing. So anyway, going back to what I was talking about, I'd written out 30 questions for this person because this per- I'm not going to name this person, but he had a massive career and he'd done a lot of stuff and he had a lot of, he was in the right places at the right time in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And he decided to talk at me for two hours. And it was like, so tell me when you, when you did so this. questions out the window. Yeah, it was pretty so much. much my research. It was, yeah. And it was like, so tell me about when you released this single. And then he decided to talk about what his favorite restaurant was to eat at in the 80s. And it was like, no matter what I said to this person, he wasn't going to talk 80s or anything, uh, you know. And it, and it comes to the point of, you know, do you bin the interview or do you put it out? And I did put it out. And if people go back and hear the catalog, you can decide which person I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's only fair, I think, to say. But yeah, it's amazing. So Very gracious. Oh, well, thank you. But it, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, like I say, I started the... Um, you know, the podcast as, as, as an idea and a project, it's now become something I love doing and I, I really enjoy doing it. And like you very kindly me guesting me on your show. I love talking to you and doing things. And I didn't realize how much I really was going to enjoy it. I just thought it's just a thing, you know, like I thought that's a thing. I'll do that. And then now I've got my feet under it and I've got, um, you know, eight, seven or eight episodes out and I'm speaking to many different people. I'm really, mm-hmm. really loving it. And it's the difference of all these people that I really enjoy. Like Dennis Seaton, um, you know, is it from a reggae background, if you like. Um, you know, Charlene's from a Midwest background, you know, and it's just the backgrounds of everybody being different and ending up in the same area, like having a song in the 80s and how they got there. I I spoke to, um, the last one I released at the time of this recording was Simon Napier-Bell. And I don't know if that name rings any bells, but he was the manager for Wham, um, Japan and the Yardbirds for many mm-hmm. years. So it's nice as well to talk to somebody that was, involved in the eighties, but wasn't directly releasing records and bits and bobs like that. And his, his interview was very interesting, you know, just from a, a, a fan point of view. 
some of the stuff I found out, you know, talking about producing the Yardbirds and Jimmy Page and, you know, and he also wrote um, the English lyrics for the song You Don't Have to Say You Love Me by Dusty Springfield as well. So he had such a very career, you know, you you have the opposite where you have try to cram too much into an hour, you know, it goes in reverse as well. But, you know, I love the podcast and I love talking to people from the eighties and I love just meeting new people online. It's always the same, you know, the minute before I go on, I'm absolutely bricking it. And the minute after I've been on, I'm fine talking to them. It's like talking to old friends because they're so friendly and they're so lovely. Um, They're just, they're just great. They're really, really great. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes I forget, be, be it you have an hour with these people because they're generally busy you know yeah. I, do, I do forget and I just I have a list of questions and I've only asked the first five because the, the other five were you know in the next half an hour when I've hit that hour mark and they've got to go because they've got somebody else to talk to <laughs> so yeah. you know I just get so into it I enjoy it so much I forget what I'm doing sometimes but yeah it is fun it's great I just hope that sometime after this podcast, when you're talking about me, you refer to me as lovely as well. Because if not, I want to be offended. Oh, I will. Don't worry. (laughs) You're awesome. (laughs) All right. Um, I think I think that kind of covers it. Just one more time. Tell us where we can find the podcast. Okay. Name it as it should be. So it's the 80s Rewind Show podcast um, and it's on all the sites. It's on Stitcher. It's on Amazon. um, It's on Apple Podcasts. Um, Spotify, maybe. It's on Spotify. Yeah, it's on Audible. Um, I do actually put the YouTube videos up of the interviews, but I don't show the footage. It's just like a picture with the audio. So if okay. you prefer it on YouTube, it's on there as well. I've, I've been lucky. So far, I spoke to um, Nick Haywood from Haircut 100. He was lovely. I'm doing, oh, cool. doing it again. I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. I spoke to um, Rusty Egan, who was in Visage, um, Dennis Seaton from Musical Youth, Charlene, obviously, um, and Jack. Oh, Can I go back for one second? Is that is that all right? Oh yeah, no, good. You're good. So I I spoke to Jack Hughes from Wang Chung. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah, I love Wang Chung. So I I emailed Jack. um, No, is is he is he the blonde haired lead singer? Is he the other guy? He's right. Yeah, he's the blonde. He's the blonde guy. Okay, okay. And um, so (laughs) it was one of those things where he was my second interview. Right. So I set up the interview and I said. um, because uh, a guy I know who runs my rec- local record shop where I buy a lot of vinyl, he just said, I've just said I'm doing this thing. Da, da, da. He said, oh, I think Jack Hughes lives around here. Why don't you Google him and find out? So I Googled Jack, found him uh, through the website, emailed Jack and uh, just sent an email. I said, hey, Jack, can I come and see you and interview? And he was like, yeah, sure. He said, come over the house. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's wow. like, and he's like, yeah, it turns out he's about 10 miles from me. And uh, he's like, yeah, come over the house and, and have a chat. So... Wang Chung were one of those bands where I think they were big in America, but not very big in England. You know, I, really? I, yeah, and I don't, oh. I don't think he'll mind me saying that. I, I think they were bigger in the states. Um, and so I've gone to Jack's house, um, which was lovely, and he's got gold discs on the wall, and he's a huge Beatles fan, and we're talking about the Beatles for ages. And then, yeah. um, uh, so he made me a lovely cup of tea, and we set, the, I set the mics up in his kitchen, and we did the interview. And uh, he could not have been a nicer person. You know, I mean, he did not know me, and I didn't know him, and he just invited me around his house. We had a cup of tea. The interview was really, really great. And uh, he was talking about touring with the cars because they toured with the cars for a bit. And then uh, William Friedkin, who did the Exodus movies, a friend of his because they did the soundtrack for Live and Die in LA um, and stuff like that. And it was after after the interview, I got back and I put it together and I started to really look into um, Wang Chung's history properly like as in because i was building a web page for my website which is coming out soon and i actually realized what a big star he is and it was it was kind of like you know i was just having a cup of tea with him and he's this huge star he was a huge star you know and um 
He could not be nicer. Sorry, but yeah, I just, it's one of those weird things where normally it's Zoom, but I actually went to his house and sat with him and had a cup of tea and, uh, and uh, hopefully he's touring soon around our local area. So I said, I'd go and see him and have a cup and uh, have another cup of tea or a pint or something. And uh, yeah, yeah, really, really cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So guys, be sure to support the podcast. Check them out. Robbie, by since I got you here, you know, we've got our Facebook page. There's, you know, mm-hmm. plenty of members in the group. Feel free to plug your podcast anytime you want to. Oh, thanks, bud. Get in there, put an ad in for it. Just let, you know. Yeah. We, we just want to support you and, thanks, and all you're doing there and, you know, get a get you a decent American audience over here. Thank you. I mean, I'd, I'd appreciate if anyone listens and wants to say, I liked it, I didn't like it. That's great. I, I, I take criticism all kinds you know i mean <laughs> doesn't bother me <laughs> all right so this is the end of our podcast and typically we go out with an outro song mm-hmm. so um i know you're prepared yeah what is what is our outro song for the day i don't think this was big in america so it's an australian pretending to be an a an, an italian man and the song was called shut up your face does it ring oh, yes. Yes. I'm very familiar with that. It was, well, there, there, there was a, a, uh, a show called Dr. Demento. Right. And Dr. Demento would play all these offbeat novelty tunes and things like that. And uh, I remember shut up at your face. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I would imagine a lot of our audience have no idea what we we are talking about <laughs> right now, but they're about to, right? It's crazy. He's, he's Australian pretending to be Italian. And singing about his Italian mum. It's just, it's the bizarre <laughs> stuff. But it's got the best sing-along chorus you will ever hear. So if you're first time listening to this track, you're welcome. And, <laughs> and secondly, I'm sorry as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So, hey, here is, uh, and we're going to do this. We're going to shut up our faces and be out of here. So, you guys, thank you, uh, for everyone, for listening. Robbie, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining today. Thanks for having it's me. Been- been a, it's been a blast for me, so I appreciate it. Guys, until next week, take care. And God bless. Hello, I'm a Giuseppe. I got something special for you. Ready? Uno, two, three, quattro. When I was a boy, just about the eighth grade, Mama used to say, don't stay out late with the bad boys. Always shoot the pool. Giuseppe, going to flunk a school. Boy, it make me sick. All the thing I gotta do I can't get no kicks I always got to follow rules Boy, it making me sick Just to make the lousy bucks Got to feel like a fool And the mama used to say all the time What's the matter to you? Hey, gotta no respect What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's a not so bad It's a nicer place I shut up your face that's my mom, I can remember. Big accordion solo. Play that thing. Real nice, real nice. But soon to come a day, gonna be a bigger star. Then they make a TV shows and the movies. Get myself a new car, but still I be myself. I don't want it to change a thing. Still a dance and a sing. I think about the mama, she is the same. What's the matter, you? It's a not so bad, it's a nicer place, I shut up your face. Mama, she said it all of the time. What's the matter, you? Hey, got no respect. What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's a not so bad, it's a nicer place, I 
Shut up your face. That's my mom. Hello, everybody. That's out there on the radio on the TV land. Did you know I had a big hit the song in Italy with this? Shut up your face. I sing this song, all of my fans applaud, they clap their hands. That's making me feel so good. You ought to learn that this song, it's real simple. See, I sing, what's the matter you? You sing, hey. Then I sing it the rest. And then at the end, we can all sing, ah, shut up your face. Okay, let's try it, really. Uno, two, three. What's the matter you? Hey. God, no respect. Hey. What do you think you do? Hey. Why you look so sad? Hey. It's not so bad. Hey. It's a nice place. Ah, shut up your face. That's a great. We're gonna do the better this time. I bet. Hey, what's the matter you? Hey, God, no respect. Hey, what do you think you do? Hey, why you look so sad? Hey, it's not so bad. Hey, it's a nicer place. Ah, shut up.